to the world. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Nano to the World. This is a continuation, right, of last episode. So this is Nano, and hey guys, it's Brandon. How you doing? We are back. Um, so last time we were able to answer a few questions off of Twitter, but this time we want to answer、uh, questions we received on Instagram, and we've got quite a few. So let's get right to it. Go for it. Yeah. Okay. So some of the questions are pretty deep, and some of them are just you know. Um, light questions, so、um, I'll try to start with the light one. Start with the light one. Um, 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 let's look for a light one. What is your favorite instrument? Ah, well, let's start with Nano then. Go ahead. My favorite instrument. Well, it depends what I like to listen to or what I like to uh, uh, work with. Work with.、Hmm. But I would have to say、uh, the acoustic guitar is one of my favorite、mm. instruments because I grew up listening to a lot of acoustic guitar music, and I also am a huge fan of artists doing acoustic covers of their own songs. Sure, sure. Sometimes you know you get that as a bonus track, and Avril Lavigne used to do that a lot,、mm-hmm. and so that's why I grew to love、uh, the acoustic guitars. So yeah, that's for me. What about you? Hundred、uh, percent piano. Piano. Hundred percent. Hundred percent piano. I tried very hard to、uh, learn how to play the piano when I was younger.、Uh, I never got all that good at it. Is there a reason why piano is like a favorite instrument of yours? Like, what was? Did you grow up listening、so、to it? So my grandfather plays a little bit of piano. My aunt、oh. was a piano teacher. Oh wow!、Um, and I really looked up to both of them、uh, for their musical ability、mm-hmm. and tried very hard. But I never like had the opportunity to do real like lessons with a teacher,、mm-hmm. right?、And、so it was mostly just what I could do on my own.、Um, but. Even like my grandmother also,、um, who was a teacher, taught many different subjects, but also taught music、um, mm-hmm. uh, on occasion. And basically, like I remember being in the car with my grandparents when I was very young, and they would always have classical music on in、mm-hmm. the car.、Um, and so, to be able to hear one of the classic, famous classical tracks, and be able to understand who the composer is. You know when it was created, all of that kind of trivia knowledge was something that, when I was younger, I really really enjoyed. But most of those tracks that I enjoyed were from the piano. So、mm, I see, I see. Okay, another light one. What is your favorite anime song, or what what are your favorite anime songs? That's a really tough one to go back uh, on. Come、to. on. Uh-uh.、Um, I don't know. It's really hard. That's really hard, but.、Mm. Well, we made. We remember we made a like what Nano and Brandon's favorite anime songs、um, playlist.、We、playlist,、did. right? Yeah. So there's a couple on there that I could probably remember.、Um, For me, just like this is the, in no particular order, just like、yeah. off the top of my head. Probably I did put them on the playlist as well. But some of the ones that really, really struck、uh, stuck struck a chord in me and stuck with me are like rewrite. From Asian Kung Fu Generation, God knows. From Suzumiya Haruhi,、um, what else is there? There's so many good ones. Sambunoichi Jinjo no Kanjo,、um, Sid.、Um, I haven't really been hearing so much of the recent anime songs, so maybe not as much from the recent animes. But definitely Zankyo Sanka was a was、mm. a big one for me.、Um, Yeah, but rock songs. Just because, not necessarily because I'm a rock singer or anything, but I do tend to like rock-based anime songs. Sure. So yeah, 
Like, and I've, I've covered a lot of the ones that I really, really enjoy. So if you go check out my YouTube and see the ones that I've covered, you can sort of see what I like. Hmm. What, are, what are some of your favorites that you put on the playlist? Do you remember? Go back and look at this. Um, one of the ones that will always be near and dear to my heart uh, is Fukaimori. Oh, my gosh. Jewish I love Infinity, that one. That one is the acoustic guitar one that right. I love. So, right. Yeah. Um, that's one... Then another one I remember we put on the list back then. Uh, where is it? Where is it? Right. So the a song that you have a version of as well, Fubuki from uh, Kantai Collection. Sung by one of my favorite friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nishizawa-san did a really good job with that one, as did you in your cover of Thank it, of you. course. Um, another one that I put on that playlist was uh, from Saint Seiya, Pegasus mm-hmm. Fantasy. Uh, by Endo Masaki-san. Uh, I quite like that one as well. But it's all old stuff, right? Mm. Like, new, like you were saying, I don't, I haven't really, like, sat down to listen to a lot of new stuff recently. Mm. It's really only if I happen to have time during that season or whatever to watch, you know, one or two shows maybe, and then I'll remember the songs from that one. But it doesn't really stick in my mind recently. You know, it doesn't really stick, but recently, like, just for research and also just for myself, yeah. I've been, um, going to Spotify and just randomly um, selecting like anime playlists Mm -hmm. and playing that while I have time and just listening to those like introduces me to new songs that I didn't know before Mm -hmm. and recently I did discover an artist um, called Nameless (laughs) that uh, released an anime song and I didn't know him from before but like Spotify introduced me to his music hmm. and I got hooked on his music. And so like, I just think that if you want to discover new good songs, just you know, go to Spotify, sure. open up a playlist, you know? So yeah. Okay. Thank you. And okay. Different type of question. What's it like to have a bilingual mind? Ah, that's a good question. That is a good question. Um, it's, it, you can't really like sum it up in a easy nutshell I think and it's hard to express in words what it's like to have a bilingual mind but there are difficulties I think a lot a lot of pros but definitely a lot of cons in my mind like even as we're speaking now I don't know I don't know if it's as difficult for you but it Mm. for me um since um for example, with my family, I speak Japanese. Sure. And with my staff, I speak Japanese. But then um, since my original, like, brain of being raised is is American, hmm. I can speak native English. Yeah. But after having spoken for a long period of time with my family, with my staff in Japanese, when I switch to English, sometimes, like, my my vocabulary... Or my um, sentence structure hmm. will be a little bit weird in English, okay. and I can't express exactly what I was trying to express. Like in my head, I know exactly how I want to say it in English. Sure, of course. But when I try to speak it out, it doesn't work as hmm. well. So I'm always like stressed out because I am native English speaker, sure. but I'm not able to speak in the ideal way that I would Mm. have been able to speak if I had lived in the U.S. until now. Your flow of, what, stream of consciousness Mm -hmm. 
is a certain way within your mind, but then when you have to translate that into sound, yeah. into actual words, it doesn't come out exactly the way that you want it to, right? Yeah. For myself, I think there's two two things I can say about it. First of all, am I actually bi? Well, three things. Am I actually bilingual? That's the first question. I leave that up to other people to decide. I would say you are. Thank you. Completely bilingual. So that's the first thing. Second thing I'll say is, um, there's some, especially because all of my like adult work experience has been here in Japan. There's certain concepts or certain, especially industry things that I've only ever talked about in Japanese. And so then how does the English side even talk about these topics? Mm. Like I've never seen, uh, what would be a good example? Like how do you write a plan for the lighting for a concert, let's say? Mm. Well, I've never seen that in English. I have no idea what the English side, what phrases they use, how they describe these things. Or uh, this goes on the voice acting side as well. Only very recently have I had the opportunity to kind of peek into what that side looks like, but I've only ever seen it mostly on the Japan side. So then how do you describe certain mm. scenes or certain actions that voice actors take within the booth or right, right, like right. The, the technical vocabulary that is used in that, mm. those kind of instances, right? No idea. And then yet when you go over there, everyone's talking like you know what you're talking about. But I've never actually heard any of those phrases before. And so I've been learning quite a lot on that side. Last thing I can say about it is, even now, 12 years after living in Japan and probably 16, 17 years of studying Japanese, you know, I go home, well, I'm working from home a lot, but let's say it's the weekend, you know, I have a, a day or two that I can turn off work, mostly, um, turn off my brain from the Japan side and do a lot of stuff that I wouldn't be doing during mm -hmm. the week on the English side. So consuming entertainment yeah. content in English, listening to other music that is not Japanese music. Um, as you mentioned, speaking to my family mm -hmm, back yeah. at home. And then on Monday, do I feel like uh, 8 o'clock in the morning, 9 o'clock in the morning, ready to start work in Japanese? And actually, I feel like even now, it still takes yeah. a couple of hours to like of course. flip the switch again and be back into Japan mode. Uh, um, and that still hasn't gone away after all of this time. Uh, like Monday morning rolls around when I haven't been doing Japanese for the past two days, let's say. You know, maybe reading it but not speaking it. And it's like it's a little bit of word salad maybe in the beginning, mm. but then it slowly, you know, ramps back up again. That still happens to me. Mm. That happens to me too. So, yeah. It Normal is, thing it, then. <laughs> yeah, but it is difficult, I think, with doing this switch. Mm -hmm. It is, it is. Okay, thank you so much. Um, let's see here. There's actually a lot of similar questions that I okay. think I'm going to touch on and maybe, like, melt them all together. Sure, sure, sure. So, okay. So, one of the questions are, um, what is the process of getting a song placed in anime? What are the steps involved? And another one similar to that is, you know, how difficult is it to break out as a singer? Hmm. Um, and uh, basically, a lot of questions asking, like... Uh, how easy or difficult is it to get a tie-up or an okay. anime song? And I think from both my perspective and from your management perspective mm. or in the industry, we can both touch on this topic. Yeah. And okay, so since this program is about being real and telling the realistic side Go of the it. industry, I'm going to just completely come out and be honest with you guys. There is, in my career... I think getting a tie-up is one of the most difficult things, mm. aspects of being a major artist mm. in the anime song industry. 
And I know it's like just looking at it from the outside, it seems like there's so many animes and there's so many opening songs and there's so many new singers coming out. And it must be so, you know, like you get to choose like the pick of the crop when like, oh, you want to sing this type of anime. So, yeah, I'm going to get that tie up. But it's not like that. Hmm. And I really have to say that if it were so easy to get an anime tie up, I would probably be doing one every single season. Like, sure. who? I mean, I know there are some singers that, you know, don't enjoy doing anime song openings and mm. there are a lot of different genres but I myself grew up watching mm. anime love anime songs wanted to be an anime song singer as well so I mean if the ch- opportunity was there I would do every single chance I got and luckily this year um this will be on air already on uh, October 5th but I am singing an opening song for an anime a TV anime called um human bug daigaku and the song is called catastrophe and i'm so hyped up about having um, this opportunity to sing another anime song opening but just honestly though it's so difficult and usually people think that you know we get to go pick what kind of animes we sing for or um they offer us a tie-up opportunity from the anime side but it's not like that unless you're a really, really, really popular artist or you have a huge anime label backing you up. Hmm. Usually for um, a lot of artists, they the management or the side that manages the artist has to go promote their artist to the uh, anime company or label and sell into it, like, oh, please use us, or, hmm. um, you know, there we have a great artist that we would love to, you know, offer a chance for this. And usually it costs more to uh, cre- be, uh, what do you call it, uh, get that tie-up in- instead of earning more. So unless you're a really, 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 really popular artist that people are, like, um, dying to work with. It's not easy to get a tie-up. Look at any anime recently, anyone will do, at what companies are uh, investing in that anime production committee. And if there is a major label or a company connected to a major label, uh, a part of that, then very very likely that that label will be the one from which the anime song comes Mm -hmm. or whether they are you know themselves outsourcing that to a different uh artist or they're using an in-house artist to do that which is more likely if they're using an in-house artist to do it then look at the number of artists that are signed to that label that also have done anime songs in the past um and you know, then as Nana was just mentioning, think about all the new artists that continually have their names popping up, you know, on not only on Spotify, but just in anime songs in general. And then you can start to see how the percentage of who gets what goes down and down and down and down and down. And we've talked about on this program before the trend for mainstream bands to be getting more attention you see like Kimi no Nawa, for example, using Rad Wimps um, and other trends within the industry that have changed the probability, let's say, of any one anime song singer, any one voice actor, any one band getting that opportunity. 
Um, it's the probability is very low, I would say, in almost all cases. And if you, again, look at this music company is involved with this anime, then maybe you can start to see those connections there that probably they're going to use somebody in-house. Uh, they're going to give that opportunity to somebody in-house. Um, then for larger projects, again, like Kimi no Nawa or other movies that uh, Shinkai Makoto is doing, then they're using more traditional uh, mainstream bands to do that. The process, like the actual business side process, I haven't seen exactly the movement that the labels do, but they have relationships with different anime production committees, as Nano said, and they do the sales work to different uh, anime production companies. And the they make their offer, as I understand it, and the production committees make a decision as to who they're going to go with. It's not incredibly complicated, but the sheer number of people that it could be given to is quite I mean, high. Like, why do they have to choose you, right? Like, they have their pick of mm-hmm. a, a, an infinite amount of artists in the industry sure. to choose from. And so why you, right? So you have to have, like, a huge, 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 some sort of promotional reason to be able to be chosen to do a tie-up. And like Brennan says, um, I don't think the viewers, maybe some of them are, but not, like... On average, people don't really, really, really um, look at so much of the credits and stuff. Yeah. But usually, um, nowadays, um, I won't name names or anything, <laughs> but, you know, companies will have both a label and an anime um, branch in their company. And so if they do both, then, of course, like, um, they will choose artists from within their own sure. company and not give it to uh, other artists in other um labels and stuff so uh it's yeah it is stronger if you belong to a label that has an anime company in that company as well right Hmm. and um there are labels that are stronger with anime and weaker with anime so it depends on what label you're signed to and of course yes it is usually a more stronger case to in this case we i said previously that um, the trend now lately for just being an artist is not necessarily like being professional isn't everything nowadays. But with anime, though, yes, it is uh, stronger if you are uh, signed with a major label to get an anime tie-up. Hmm. It's very rare that indies bands will get anime tie-ups just because of promotional reasons. And um, so that's the difference, I feel like, from recent, um, like, net music in anime songs mm. is yes labels do matter when it yeah. comes to anime and uh the process is it depends you know it's it's different for everyone but for me like my own experience within the 10 years of um having done anime songs is when i was when i am signed to like uh a label that does anime in the as a, as the main sort mm. of um genre, then yes, it is easier to get an anime tie-up, but only for animes that that company is related Mm. to. And it's hard to get, like, I get a lot of questions in the past, like, why don't you do a Bleach opening, or why don't you do a Naruto opening? I would love to, like, I would die for it, but I don't belong to that label. Mm. So it's it's probably nearly impossible for me to get a Naruto or Bleach opening because my label is different, or I don't am not directly related to that company that directs that anime. So, mm. you know, it's it's reality. It's it, and also like 
at any given generation, moment, or season, there's always going to be like a trending artist, and sure. that artist will, for a couple of seasons or a couple of years, uh, do most of the major animes, right? Mm. And for artists that are lesser known, they're not going to be have that chance because I mean, like it's it's not a it's not just a nice world where everyone's like, oh, let's give these no, lesser known artists a chance, right? Because they could do good music, and you know, you can do good music, but it doesn't mean that you're going to get a um, tie up. So, well, and think about this too. Like the we were just talking before about not you know having that much time to listen to modern '90s songs or like the ones that come to our minds mm-hmm. um, immediately are older ones, right? But for the fans that are listening right now, all of you listening, like what any songs come to your mind that you remember that really stuck with you? You know, some of the ones that you'll bring up are amazing songs by amazing singers. And of course they stick with you because the music was great, Mm -hmm. but you'll probably notice a, at least a weak correlation between anime that are super popular and the songs that you remember. Well, why do you remember them? Well, because the anime was super popular. You heard Mm -hmm. it a million times or the anime was amazing and because it was amazing, you actually directly um, involved yourself with that anime world, with that anime story, which includes the music as well. And so the popularity of the show absolutely has a strong impact on the popularity of the track and on the popularity of that artist as a whole. And so there could be music that you've never heard that's amazing just because the anime itself did not pop off. Mm-hmm. But for the anime that did pop off, of course, you're going to know those tracks and they're mm-hmm. going to, you know, we were talking about ranking charts before. Um, they're going to rise up the ranking charts because that anime is super popular as well. That's a, you know, phenomenon that's not going to go away. That's the way it is for any, you know, I was just, was I just reading this morning? It was like Aerosmith had been around since, you know, the 60s, 70s or whatever, mm-hmm. but really started to pop off. You know, they had many, many good tracks, but they had never hit uh, number one on the Billboard charts mm. until the movie Armageddon was released. Oh, I see, yeah. You know, and then I Don't Want to Miss a Thing, the theme song that was super popular from Armageddon, was their first number one single oh, wow. ever, even though they had been doing music for 20, 30 years. Yeah. Um, same thing on the anime side. Yeah. Someone could be doing amazing stuff, you just haven't heard it because it was not tied to something that popped off. Yeah, for example, like Rad Wimps is a really good example. I mean, in Japan, of course, mm-hmm. Rad Wimps was huge already sure. and people a lot of people knew. But foreign listeners, I mean, uh, many of them, their first ever experience of right. Rad Wimps was Kimi no Nawa, sure. right? And so that happens a lot in mm-hmm. many, many cases. Even King knew, like, they had a lot of fans in Japan, but to actually get their names um, spread out overseas... Right. It was thanks to Jujutsu Kaisen. Sure. And so, you know, these tie-ups are amazing in some ways. And also, in my own experience as a singer, they're very, very... It's it's complicated. Um, you know, each tie-up is an amazing opportunity to get known. But at the same time, to get a tie-up is pretty much like a lucky thing. Like, it's not something you can calculate. It's not something you can get just because mm-hmm. you want it. And um, so, you know, if I were, yeah, if I were given the opportunity to do every single tie-up that I wanted, I would probably have so many done right now. Mm -hmm. And I would do so many. But, yeah, so, you know, hopefully, um, you know, 
I can continue to do what I love doing and be lucky enough to do anime openings continuing. And so please do check out my newest song, which is out <laughs> yes, right please. now. I'm going to promote myself. Yay. Go ahead. Okay, and let's so, move on to the next one. Okay, there was a process. Uh, the question that I either had, um, the process. Okay. And um, well, for me, a lot of the cases was that usually the so an anime when it's uh, the, you you, sh- you probably know this process as well. Mm-hmm. But when an anime is created, many cases there will be like an original um, like manga that it's based off of, or if it's an original anime with no um, manga that it's based off of. Well, when they start creating the 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 concept or the the planning of the anime, then once the anime is like, okay, we're gonna do this and uh, it's gonna be unaired, then they start searching for artists to do the openings and endings, hmm. and then they probably the anime committee searches like uh, like far and wide what is trending right now or what's the feel of the anime what kind of artists do we want and usually of course if they have a lot of money for promotional issues they're going to go for someone major like Mm. really really famous like someone on the top of the rankings and if they don't have so much promotional money to put forth then they maybe go a little bit lower on the rankings or they they search for someone who is really really good but maybe not so well known and that's the kind of chance that you know we all wish we had as an artist and so once they start searching then um, maybe they search through their connections of different labels or Mm. if it's an in-company thing that they search within their company for artists and then from there, a song will be created. So the song doesn't pre, like they had a question, like does the song pre-exist or do you create something from scratch? And in most cases, once you get the offer or you get the tie-up, then you start creating the song. Hmm. And then for me, since I write the lyrics myself, the lyrics come after that where I get the concept of the anime. I get like the character designs, the basic, like they might send me the uh, clip of the manga hmm. or something. And then they tell me keywords um, like I, we want like I don't know, but eternal in there, or we want mm. like a white kind of concept in there because it's based on like angels or something. And then from those keywords, I will start um, writing my lyrics once I get the demo CD, uh, the demo track that we create. And then from that process, we uh, send it into the anime company, and they either say, "Yeah, let's go with this," or we want to tweak it up a little bit, or you know, mm, this doesn't really fit, so let's try a different one and so from there it's like a a process of creating this song and once the song is created then we first record the anime opening size which is one minute 30 seconds and mm. then we create that and then after that comes the full size so usually we focus on creating a really solid one minute 30 seconds mm. so it's different process from creating an original song and an anime song because when we create an original song we focus on the entire song from the beginning. But when we create an anime song, we really focus on a solid one minute, 30 seconds. And then we do whatever we want in the later half. And the anime side doesn't really have opinions about the later half because it has nothing to do with the anime in the end. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's basically the process. Hmm. Have you noticed as well, like with the tie-ups that you had done in the past, that mm-hmm. the A side of that single, for example, is something that is very... I wouldn't say very, but it is regulated by the anime. Yes. And as you were mentioning, certain words need to be in the lyrics or certain Mm. themes need to be in there. And you don't have as much creative control over that because, of course, it's for a particular project. Mm -hmm. And so it's not a bad thing. It's just the way it is. 
But then the B side, mm-hmm. have you always felt like you've had freedom to choose whatever you want? Of course, yeah. Like when we release a single, for example, you yeah. know, in Japan, when you release a single, there's a uh, main track, which is the usually the tie-up, and then there's the B track, which is um, a supporting track, sort right. of like. It, and when we put in the supporting track, it's not a tie-up. Or, well, sometimes it is a tie-up. It could be. It could be a tie-up. And if it is a tie-up, then, of course, it's the enemy song. Right. But if it's not a tie-up, then usually we're free to do whatever we want. And mm-hmm. it ends up being completely different. Yep. Like, the sound yep. is like... Are we are we the same artist or sure, is this sure. from the same artist? Like it's completely right. different. And usually, when it's the anime song, of course, we don't have one hundred percent freedom to create whatever you want. Right. So it sounds more anime-ish. Like sure. it sounds more like some like a created song. Sounds but, like an opening or an ending theme, right? Yeah. But when it's the B song where we it's not a tie-up, then it's like the complete color or sound of that sure. artist. So yeah, sometimes I do feel a little bit uneasy when I listen to my singles I'm like <laughs> this doesn't sound like like anything connects like right. it's a different world but um, it's more personal like the B track tends to be more personal but it's less well known or less played because it's not a tie up right mm-hmm. so yeah it, it sometimes feels like that so we have a lot of questions about voice acting in general. Okay. And I've never actually voice acted, so I don't know if I can answer any of these. But I think it'd be interesting to try. Okay. We have a couple, like, is voice acting fun? Or how difficult is it to get into the voice acting industry? Or okay. um, if we were able to do... Uh, dubbing or voice acting ourselves would we try it okay or yeah so those kind of voice acting questions so um the first one that we i had on here is if you had the chance to voice act would you voice act sure why not i think don't think i'd be good at it but (laughs) but you know like what i realized okay this is something i haven't really shared anywhere but i did once um go to a test run of a voice acting school okay and to see what it was like before I made a major debut, like I wanted to see like what kind of world was it, sure. you know, if I had a chance in it. I went there and the first day mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I am so not, <laughs> I'm so not made for this because you would think when you listen or watch anime that it, they do it so like effortlessly and it sounds so natural and everything. But when you stand in front of that mic and actually try to make those like sound effects like, oh, uh, or like. Or like all these things. Oh my gosh, I nearly cried. I sounded so horrible. It sounded so fake, and it's it's so different from like your natural everyday reactions or voice um, sure. sound effects, right? Like for example, in real life, like you wouldn't make half those noises that they make in mm. the Japanese anime. It's different. Like you know the way you um, like are surprised, or if you crash into something like oh or like trip and make a sound like in japanese it's mm. different the sure, o- sure, sure. what do you call it? the onomatopoeias no what are what are those things called like the dododo or like there's a word for it yes yeah so those the sound effect type of right. words are the the the, the ones in anim, japanese anime there's like a whole genre just for that I wish they had, like, they probably have it, but they, we need, like, a dictionary or an encyclopedia of just anime sounds, um, sounds <laughs> that you make with your mouth. That's hmm. so different. What I hear is that, of course, you don't want to completely copy the mannerisms and the voices that any one voice actor does, because then 
that's not you acting. Mm. That's you mimicking someone else. Yeah. So you don't want to do that. You need to find the voice of that character within yourself and the voice that comes out of your mouth and the mannerisms that you create for that character is what that character is. That being said, when I ask voice actors, how do you practice? Almost everybody says the same thing. It's, well, that's actually what they do. They mm -hmm. will practice by listening to other people's mannerisms, the kind of sounds that they make. But they don't do that in the booth. Mm. In the booth, it's you. Mm. You have to be the one to create that character. And that character is created through the voice that you create for them. But when you're at home, people do it, you know, and practice by listening yeah, to yeah, other people yeah. on TV or, or whatever. Um, I think the sounds is probably a big part of that as well. To know instinctively, I only have respect for people who are able to convey the full range of emotions that you would have to convey on camera. But then to be able to do that solely through the audio that comes into the microphone mm. and... I hope that I'll have more opportunities to see this being done, you know, in person myself mm. and learn more about the process that goes into creating that sound. It's it's not only uh, it's the acting, of course, but it's the physical act of creating that sound mm. um, that I think the voice actors learn a lot about as they're practicing, as they're you know studying, if they're going to a school, for example. Um, and then to be able to compress all of that into the single moment of that one line at that particular time that you have to say, it's remarkable. Mm. I will say, though, you know, and call it a non sequitur if you want to, but yes, it's very important to get that those skills. And for some people, that means going to a school and getting mm -hmm. professional training to do it there. Um, if you want a real big hint about the voice acting industry, skill and experience is extremely important. Yes. Something that is almost more important than that is actually being a easy person to work with. Ah, um, You're going to get called for a lot more roles. You're going to get called for a lot more uh, work if you're someone that's easy to work with. Someone that the director knows will produce quality results every single time. Mm -hmm. um, somebody who will not talk back to the director for example, when you get the feedback in, you know, in your ear or whatever, hey, you should do it this way or, hey, um, can we get a different take that sounds like this? And to not have the ego, I guess, to be like, well, whatever I say is perfect. No, to be able to put that aside and do what is expected of you and to create a certain sound that perhaps the director wants to hear or the production committee wants mm. to hear. Um, if you can be an easy-to-work-with person, it's definitely a lot more... Uh, favorable for you in the industry than if you are a big ego, I don't take direction you know, kind of person. You mentioned that, and I mm. really, really want to go over this. Mm, go ahead. Okay, so nowadays, you know, voice acting almost seems like a like a talent job. Like voice actors are popular; they seem like celebrities. They seem like they're almost like artists themselves, right? Mm. Like they have their own names, their faces sure. are out. They're releasing music, but I have to say this: every single voice actor I've seen, and from stuff that I've seen like on TV or whatever, when they're working as voice actors, they are the most humble, mm -hmm. um, flexible people of ever. Like artists like me, well, up to some extent, uh, respect your own color like sure. there are some things that i say i'm sorry that's just not me i'm not sure. gonna do it and we you should say you that. should have that line yes it's it's completely a different story like mm -hmm. um i just have to say like the best the nicest the most flexible the most humble beings i've ever come to come across in the industry are voice actors mm. 
it's important. And, like, remember, you know, we're getting real deep into the weeds now, but remember who you are performing for. Mm -hmm. That your performance is not for yourself. Your mm -hmm. performance is for, as first of all, is part of a larger project. The character you are voicing, there's other characters around that person that you interact with through the course of that recording that that character interacts with over the course of that story, that there's a certain vibe or a certain interaction that that anime is going for with those characters that you should not, you know, think that you can come in and break that vibe because it's you. Mm -hmm. You should be able to mold your performance to what that particular story wants mm. it, what that particular story deserves to have. Yeah. Rather than what you think um, you should put into mm -hmm. that story. Which, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. There has to be a good balance of that, though. Yeah, right? like, you know, you have your color as a voice actor. Sure. You're not just a robot, sure. you know, doing anything perfectly. So, But there are expectations yeah. that the project side is going to have, or the other cast members, for example, are going to have of you yeah. that you should be able to mold yourself a little bit to that, or a lot of it, depending on the situation. Then, again, remembering who that performance is for. It's not for yourself, it is for the audience exactly. that's going to be that's listening to it. That's the most important thing. And you are, your success is only because of the support that you are receiving from the mm -hmm. audience. Or your, as a voice actor, your success is tied you know, inextricably to the success of that anime or the success of those companies that are putting the investment money into mm -hmm. that anime to create it. And so it's definitely not a me, me, me yeah, you're not role. Like, when mm. you do a role, you're not selling yourself by right. doing that role. You may become popular because sure. of that role, but that role isn't to sell you. It's different from an artist where, right. like, if I record a song, maybe I'll have a director directing yeah. me, like, oh, you should sing it like this and it sounds better. But I can say, no, that's not me. Mm. And I can say, I'm going to sing it like this. Mm -hmm. But when you're voice acting, you're not going to go into the studio and the director says, we want a more, like, a like a higher tone or a more happier tone or a more like naive tone. And you're not going to say, no, that's not me. You know, the, hmm. if the director for that character says they want it this way, then hmm. most voice actors will say, okay, let me try it again. And they'll try a hundred times until right. that director says, okay. And that voice actor is not going to say, I'm sorry, that's just not me. I'm not going to do that. Like that high tone is just so not me. And if you're not going to go with that, I'm walking out of the studio and then you're going to lose that job. So I, I just say no matter what, even if it's you're an artist or a voice actor, Practice is so important. Like mm -hmm. the stuff that you do behind the scenes in your alone time to be able to do so many different types of voices, to um, experiment, to get as many tools as you can in, within your experience is what is going to make you the best. Mm. And it's going to get you jobs. And the more you practice, the more effort you put into your own private time of brushing yourself up, is the best. So, yeah. Stay humble. Stay humble, Be definitely. thankful for where you are. Even as an artist, though, I say yeah. stay humble. Even if you're doing songs for yourself without the listeners, mm -hmm. you would be nothing. I mean, like, yeah, it'd be just a hobby. And right. You got any other questions off Instagram we can handle? Um, I think we're going to go just – we're going to end it on that note because we, we talked a lot. So – um, thank you so much for all your questions and all your comments and all your support and listening to this program. And we're going to we have an announcement that we need to make lastly before we end today's episode. And it's, it's, a, it's a sad announcement. But at the same time, I just want to say, as we said, you know, we're humble in our um, appreciation so much for your support. And unfortunately, for a while. 
this program is going to be uh, go on hiatus. So we're going to take a break. And uh, and the reason is because, well, you know, our, we, we're actually doing a lot of things right now for a lot of um, projects. And it's really been kind of like a battle and a difficulty of finding schedules to be able to record and stuff. And um, we are kind of concerned that the quality of the podcast will not be able to uh, obtain like the good quality because of our schedules. And we need to keep you hanging. So we've decided that we're going to take a little break. And yeah, so Brandon, is there anything you want to say on that note? Yeah. Um, thanks to the support of our audience that has been listening all the way up to this point. Um, I think we've had, it's been over a year of content mm-hmm. so far wow. with the podcast. Over a year. Yeah, we started like last August or something, right? right? And I think we've had the opportunity to explore many, many different aspects of the entertainment industry in Japan. I think the listeners have learned a lot more about yourself, Nano, certainly. Um, have heard a little bit about my experience of being a you know, completely foreign dude working in this industry. And I think there's a lot of hints and a lot of really wholesome stories that we've given about how other people might be able to work within the industry. Um, And I really hope that everybody, you know, if you've been listening up to this point through all of the episodes or you're just, you know, getting into the first or the last couple episodes that we've done and you're a new listener to go back and listen to a lot of the content that we've done up to this point. um, I hope that from the first episode all the way up until, you know, this is episode 30 something, I think it'll be that you've noticed a change both in the quality of the episodes that we've done, Mm -hmm. you know, for a good reason but also growth with yeah. Nano and myself as well as people sitting in front of a microphone Yeah, I mean, speaking. it's not every day that people like us in the industry, hmm. we get to talk about what we do and connect with the global community. And originally, I mean, the reason we started the podcast in the first place was to connect with the global community and right. share what we, what we could share um, from inside the industry in Japan with the outside world. Hmm. And I think we've, we've been able to do a lot of that. And yeah. without this podcast, we wouldn't have been able to connect with so many global listeners and share so much of what we do behind the scenes, mm-hmm. off the screen, off the mic. I think going forward, the industry is going to need more people like exactly. you and me. They're going to need people who... It's not, you know, I'll say it again, language is just a tool. It's not just because we can speak English that, you know, we're necessary in the industry, but it's the different perspectives that we can bring in to the industry uh, to slowly but surely help uh, the industry understand that there is a whole wide audience out there that is very, very interested in artists, voice actors from Japan, that kind of content. And I hope that you and I can continue to have the opportunity to kind of be the uh what the bridge between those two environments and to continue to not only work hard so that the overseas fans can continue to enjoy that content the future of the japanese entertainment industry is fast yes a lot of people may say that it's dwindling down but i think that with the choices we make the right choices that we can actually make it bigger Mm -hmm. and stronger and that's the most biggest goal Mm -hmm. in my career as a singer to protect that Japanese entertainment industry and spread it to the world. 
and share it with the world. And hopefully we'll have the opportunity in the future to come back. Yes. In this kind of format. Yes, I would love to. Whether it's a one-off or a special. Mm -hmm. Give you guys an update on exactly how we're doing with that goal. Um, But for the moment, we'll be taking the break. We're going to take a break. uh, You know, focus on ourselves a little bit. And maybe grow during that time. And so when we come back, if we do, uh, we'll be a lot, you know, powered up. Uh, changed. We'll have seen a lot of a lot more of the entertainment industry that we can share with you guys. So again, thank you so much for listening to 34, 35 episodes of Nano to the World. And we will see you again. But always, we are connected. So keep rocking on no matter what you do in life. And me and Brandon will be right there with you rocking on. Right? Rock on in Japan and around the world. Thank rock you guys on. so much. Thank you so much, you guys. I love you. Rock on. Thank you. Bye. See you next time. See you next time.